0: little bit about being set apart, about being holy and going kind of taking that whole direction if you have or need a title for tonight's message. It is set apart for a purpose. And I think uh, just by knowing that, we know that as we are in the family of God, we have been called to be set apart. And we know that everything that we do in this life has a purpose. We have a purpose when we came into the kingdom of God, and we'll get into some of that tonight. So 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 13. Here we go. Wherefore, gird up your loins, the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And, and we think of things like this, like, I could never live up to that, and how is that even possible? And um, you guys, God's not asking you to do something that's impossible. You guys know the word that says, with God, all things are possible? Right? God doesn't set you up for failure. That's not what he's about. He doesn't, he doesn't put a test in front of you or anything like that just to have you fail. That's not what our God is about. He doesn't set you up for failure. Amen? We serve a good God. So, so what is he asking? Holy means set apart. That's an easy way to look at it. And I read a whole bunch of commentaries about what does holy mean, and a lot of people used it to just simply mean set apart, and what that did was free them from having to try to live right. That's not what the Bible's about, right? If you are, you are holy, you are set apart. God does not require you to live perfect. Does God require anything of you? You didn't have to come into his family, right? That was your choice. Did God require you to come into his family? Right. Does he require you to do the right things in life? God doesn't require anything of you. Everything that we have in God is a choice of ours. Right. So when we talk about about being holy, it doesn't mean that God requires you to be holy. It means you live set apart and you have the choice and the ability through Jesus Christ to go and sin no more. We don't like to talk like that, do we? We like to have our little our little issues. We like to do things with, you know, this group of friends versus the church friends. Like, we like to have those things. But the Bible talks about go and sin no more. It's talking about the woman uh, caught in adultery. It's in John 8 if you wanted to look at it. But you don't really have to because we know that after she's done these things, uh, Jesus bends down, writes a bunch of stuff. In the sand, everybody leaves, and he looks up and says, where are your condemners? She says, I don't know. He says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Man, if Jesus showed up and told you to go and sin no more right to your face, would you do it? We'd sure try. He's asking us to go and sin no more. Now, now don't get all freaked out about this. This is something that you have the ability to do through Jesus. You don't have to keep tripping over the same stuff. You don't have to fall down every day about the same things. You have the ability to do what Jesus just asked this lady to do. You have the Holy Spirit in you. That's more than this lady had. Go and sin no more, he says to her. He says the same thing to us. Be holy, for I am holy. Be set apart, but you have the ability through Jesus to walk like he did. Right, You weren't born perfect. I've seen some of your baby pictures. You weren't born perfect. Jesus was, and so that's a little bit of the difference. But once you come to the family of God, what? We died and we're risen with Jesus. So now walk holy. Be holy. Go and sin no more. We don't like to talk about it. I like it my way. I love you, Lord, especially on Sundays, maybe sometime on Wednesday uh, during the evening service, but I I like things my way. But go and sin no more. We're going to talk about being set apart tonight. Uh, They'll probably throw it on the screen. Psalms 4.3 says this, But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. What I want you to look at in this verse, obviously it's us that is set apart, but who's the one that set us apart? What does it say? Know that the Lord has set us apart. You guys, one of the things I want you to understand is the Lord is the one that sets you apart. That's a good thing. doesn't mean that you're better than the person sitting next to you. It means that through Jesus, you are called to be set apart, to not look like this world, to live differently than this world, to live differently than your neighbors that don't know Jesus. Do you guys know it should be an obvious observation to people that you love and serve your Heavenly Father? It should be an obvious observation. That doesn't happen when you cut people off on the five freeway. That doesn't happen when you're mad because they cut in front of you in the Starbucks line. Christians don't go to Starbucks anyway, I heard, right? I'm just kidding. I'll take gift cards if you guys want to do that too. But, but we don't, as Christians, we don't get upset at these things, right? We, we look different than the world. You are a holy nation, a royal priest. You guys know that's what 1 Peter 2 says. Let's go there. 1 Peter 2 Holy and set apart is part of your identity in Christ. You are called to be set apart, and that is not negotiable. Walk in it. Don't look like everybody else. It's who you're supposed to be. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 9, it says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I like that. Peculiar That means strange, that means set apart, that means different. You are simply different than the rest of the world. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Guys, why are we set apart? That we should show forth the praises of him who has called us. Amen. Verse 10, which in times past we were not a people, but are now the people of God. You were not, but now you are which had not obtained mercy, but thank God now we have obtained mercy. Verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Why are you strange and a pilgrims? Because we don't belong here. We belong with God in heaven. We, We are here to occupy and do a job and be his hands and feet here. Do we get it? We are different. We are set apart. We look different. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, verse 12, having your conversation, that means your way of life, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may, by your good works, see, they're supposed to see it in you, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Simply by you doing the right things and living a set-apart life, other people will give glory to God. Verse 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Here we go. Verse 15, for so is the will of God that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. If we would just do the right things, what could people say against us? If we would walk the right way, if we would carry ourselves the right way, if we would stand up for the word of God. What could people have to say against us other than, "eh, I don't like them. Right? You're not going to be liked. Was Jesus hated? Welcome to the club. For so is the will of God that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. But as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That sounds like a really cool handshake to leave, right? <laughs> honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Right? Like, come on. We're just, that's a, it's kind of a mouthful, but I feel like it's kind of a tough guy thing. I like it. Guys, this passage shows that we are called to live set apart. I loved it in verse 12, that they'll see your good works and they will glorify God. It's the Lord that sets you apart. And why? To show the world that there's a difference between the children of God and the rest of the world. Do you guys think we, you guys know that we have the Old Testament as an example for us? The people knew the children of Israel. They knew them as different. They even came to fear them, right? The world knew that they were the children of God. They should know the same about us. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, you are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You guys, as you walk, this is, This is Paul talking to the rest of the believers and he says, you are the epistle. You are the next letter of Jesus written on our hearts that all men may see and know. We're supposed to be seen and known. That is a purpose that you have in Christ Jesus to make his name known. We should look different. Sometimes I have to ask myself questions I'm getting ready to teach. Like, are you living different, or are there areas where you look just like the world? Right. I think those are questions that we should always be checking on every day. Things to keep ourselves in check because every day it's a choice. Are you living a set apart life, or do you look just like the world, guys? The Bible outlines that there's two kinds of people in the world. Ready? A child of God or a child of who? A yeah. devil. One or the other, guys. You can't serve God and anything else. Money, the devil, anything. You pick one. The Bible says it. You have two choices as a father. You'll spend eternity in either father's house, and it's your choice. Your father, the devil, is crazy when Jesus said that to religious people. Do you guys remember that? He said, you are of your father, the devil. Whew. Boldness. Can you imagine that? People thinking they got it all right, the religious people. And then Jesus walks up, like, you're missing it. You don't understand what the word says. You're not yielding to what the word says. I'm here to show you life more abundant. You're not here listening to what it says because you are of your father, the devil, and you can't receive this word. One of two choices, guys. Romans eight fourteen says this, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then in verse 15, it talks about receiving the spirit of adoption, that you are no longer in the world, but you're a part of God's family. It's your choice, guys. There's one of two fathers that you can serve. Your father, the devil, or your heavenly father. I know if you're sitting here that no one in here is serving their father, the devil. Or at least doesn't want to. That's why you're here. Amen? That's one of two choices. You guys, that leads me to my next point, that you have to choose to live set apart. It is simply a choice on your behalf. Circumstances may try to influence you one way or the other, but it's simply a choice on your behalf. Romans 5.1, if you want to flip there. We have a lot of scriptures tonight, so I won't be mad if uh, you just start looking at the screens and then blankly staring at me. You can go back and listen to it later, but Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand in grace. Isn't that amazing? And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You are justified and set apart by faith. That's how you came into the family of God. That's how we're supposed to walk a set apart life every day. If you try to do it on your own without Jesus or without having faith in your heavenly father, it's going to be really, really difficult. You guys know the story where it says, they who build the house without the Lord... They labor in vain. That's going to be your life without Jesus, laboring in vain, trying to get the simplest things done and struggling, struggling, struggling. But when you choose to live set apart and put your faith in Jesus, he says what? Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. (laughs) By faith, we live a set apart life. Flip a couple pages over. You can hold your finger here. We might come back in a second. but Flip a couple pages over to Romans 8. Here's something that I want you to see gives us one of the keys to living a set-apart life. It's in uh, verse 5 is where it starts. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life in peace. Life in peace. Guys, they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. The set-apart people of Christ mind the things of the Spirit. They go about the Father's business. They pay attention to the yielding of the Holy Spirit. They go where he leads them. Amen. I made some notes in here. It says, what are your pursuits? What occupies your thoughts? Right? Are we chasing the same things as the world? Or are we having our minds set on things of the spirit? You guys know the verse where where God talks about feeding the ravens and clothing uh, the flowers in the fields and how much more he cares for you. That means you can set your mind on spiritual things, not have to worry about the carnal things. Now, this doesn't give you a pass to just say, I'm going to quit everything I've ever done in my life and just go and sit in a field and pray 26 hours every day, right? I'm not giving you a pass to quit your job because I believe a lot of us are called right where we are to do the work of the ministry right where you are. That means you're in an office or you work at a florist or a funeral home. Raise them up. Do the work of Jesus, Right? Wherever you are, you can be doing the work of Jesus. You can live a set-apart life. So I'm not giving you a free pass when when I quote the Bible and talks about he cares for the ravens and the flowers. And don't worry about all those things. You go to work and don't worry about anything else other than how you glorify Jesus in that job. Right? One of the ways you glorify God is working hard. God calls us to be diligent. That means you do your job to the best of your ability every single day, and that's how God is honored. It doesn't mean you can slack and then stand in faith for increase. (laughs) It doesn't mean you can slack and then stand in faith for increase. Right? I I love the stories where they were... you have the, some, some pastors that uh, are believing for divine health and walk in divine health, but then all they do is eat Kentucky Fried Chicken and, uh, and don't exercise, and they die of a heart attack. Like What did you expect? We are supposed to be diligent in the things of God. I've started going to the gym again. But we're supposed to be diligent in the things of God. That's how we honor Him. That's how we live set apart. What occupies your thoughts, your pursuits? Things of the flesh or things of the Spirit? Go back to Romans 5. We'll pick up in verse 3. More differences of being set apart. And not only so, but we, the set apart ones, glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Did you guys catch verse 3? But we glory in tribulations. You guys, we shine in the hard times. As a set-apart people of God, you can shine and glory in the tough times. You don't have to put your head down and drag your tail. We walk in victory, amen? Whether you see it at the moment, whether it comes four years from now. Here's a thought I had the other day, and I was going to save this message for healing school. You guys know in the Bible when it says, uh, a day to the Lord is a thousand years? You guys heard that verse? Then, and then Jesus knew he was going to be in the belly of the Earth for three days. You think he had a stopwatch? You think he was watching the sunrise and the sunset and enjoying his view down there? He was getting thrashed. When he went to the belly of the Earth, that must have felt like eternity. What if he would have quit and gave up? So I don't know what your situation is. if it's been a, a, a minute and a half that you've been believing for something, if it's been a year and a half, if it's been 10 and a half years? If it's been 40 years. Your victory is right on the other side. A day to the Lord is like a thousand years. Now, that doesn't mean I can count them on my hand. But that means faithfully endure and your promise comes. Jesus could glory in tribulation because he was a set-apart child of God. He could glory in that tribulation. So next time I teach healing school, that's probably what it's going to be on. You cool? <laughs> we are set apart, we can glory in tribulations. One of the things that sets us apart is that you do not complain when things get tough. We don't gripe, we don't complain. You don't blame other people. That's what makes you set apart. Anybody had office places that they've worked and it's always somebody else's fault? I'm not saying you take blame that's not that's not something that you did, but you own up for your actions. Jesus didn't back down when he was confronted. The disciples, a couple of them failed, but for the most part, they didn't back down when they were confronted. We are called to live set apart. Be confident in that so that when you walk out and do the things that the word has called you to do and you serve the purposes of God and you're working diligent at where you're at every day, what do they have to bring against you? They'll be the ones that are put to shame, the Bible says. When you are doing what you're supposed to do and walking with God, the ones that come against you will have nothing that they could say and they are the ones that will be put to shame. That's how it should look in our workplaces. We do our job to the best of our ability. With Christ, you have supernatural ability to do what you're doing. When people bring things against you, the work speaks for itself a lot of the time, guys. Right? When people came and said, Jesus can't be from God, and he's like, "Uh, the works that I just did uh, are of my father. Did you see that guy walking? Right? Like, what could they say other than... uh, I don't like that guy. right? Go down to verse 17. Keith Hersey talked about this, "For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Christ Jesus. By one, Christ Jesus, receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness with my note. Like what great things that we have? How do we reign in life, guys, by being set apart? Right? That's a choice that you make every single day. Right? God puts you in that position of victory and authority, but you can quickly take yourself right out of it by just putting your head down, speaking the wrong things over your life, speaking the wrong things into existence because that's what faith does. Your words are powerful. You speak the wrong things and those things happen. What did you expect? You can have what you say is what the Bible says. Good, bad, or indifferent, what you speak has power. But thank God, as we are called to be set apart, he's given us grace in abundance, by the way. How many of y'all need that abundance of grace? And the gift of righteousness, and we reign in life. There's a contrast on how we live and how the rest of the world lives. Set apart means we can shine and we can glory in the tribulations. We don't have to put our head down. We don't have to walk with our tail between our legs. How do you handle tribulations? Do you glory in them? Do people see you handle them differently than the rest of the world? Guys, this world's a crazy place. People are full of panic, insecurity, fear. You can be above all of that. We glory in tribulations. So you're going through the same thing as the guy next door, but you have a smile on your face. And they say, why? And you say, because Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my provider. I can glory in tribulations that they may come to know him just by the way that we live. Another question that Paul addresses says this, if we have been set apart and died to sin, should we live in it any longer? Guys, this is a very simple answer. And it's, uh, I love the word of God that a lot of the times you ask a question and it answers, it answers right there. You know, Romans 6, one, what shall we say? Then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This grace is so good, should we continue to make mistakes so we can just keep walking in this grace? You don't have to make mistakes to continually walk in the grace of God every day, right? That grace of God's going to enable you to have patience with your kids, patience with your co-workers. You don't have to keep sinning every day to walk in grace. Here's the answer. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live in it any longer? The answer is you shouldn't. You've died to sin. You are set apart from sin. So don't live in it. What did did Jesus say to the woman? Go and sin no more. It's not an impossible task. There's one way that you can accomplish that. And that's through Christ, all things are possible to him that believes. Without Jesus, it's impossible. Without God, it's impossible. But Jesus tells her, I just hooked you up. You get to walk away from all of this condemnation. I just hooked you up. Go and sin no more. asking the same of us guys go to verse 3 know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in the newness of life get rid of the old junk it's dead it's gone Quit picking it back up. Walk in the newness of life. Verse 5 says this, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that, or so, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should serve, not sin. Amen. When you see that cross on Easter Sunday, see that old life that you used to live. See that, see that old life buried, nailed to the cross, and that one doesn't come back. That life is dead and gone. Do not pick up that bodysuit and put it back on. You do not have to walk in sin. Go in sin no more. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It's a choice, guys. Who are you going to serve? God or sin? For he that is dead is freed from sin. That old man is dead. Sin has no more dominion over you. Now, if we be dead with Christ, don't freak out about living and dead and all that stuff, okay? I see some of you like, what is he talking about? Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. You guys, Christ died and was raised, and we are that same life with him. Old man dead and gone, new life, Christ Jesus in us, risen. Go and sin no more. That we should walk in the newness of life, We should not serve sin. Verse 9 says this, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So we're supposed to do. We are alive in Jesus, and we are living for God. Amen. Verse eleven: Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So live unto God like Jesus did. Verse 12. Here's a choice for you. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. That is your choice. Here we go. 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. It's a choice. Who will you serve? Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's better than you're letting on. Sin does not have dominion over you. Are you set apart in Christ? Sin does not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. (laughs) How do we do that? We live set apart and yield ourselves to God. We choose from the beginning. Who will we serve? Our Father God or something else? God or ourself? For sin shall have no dominion over you. Whew. Let's keep going. A lot of verses, I told you. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. If you didn't know what God forbid means, it means God says, nope. Right? Don't go on sinning. Wait, what? Go and sin no more. Do you see a theme happening tonight? We have the ability in Christ Jesus to walk a set-apart life. So when other people are falling apart, when other people freak out, when other people get mad, when other people want to throw punches, you walk set-apart. Through Christ Jesus. Amen? Verse 16. Know ye not that whom you yield yourselves servants to, his servants you are to whom you obey Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. One of the two guys, it's your choice. Verse 17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. Say were. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. You were servants of sin, but you've heard the word of God. You've obeyed and stepped in by faith to the word of God and to his family. 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And I, when, I, when I read this verse, I just think of Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. Right? Apply that to you in this righteousness. You were dead in sin, now you're alive in Christ. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness, and it is finished. You are no longer a servant of sin. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded, says as you have, talking about in the past, yielded your members, servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now, this is your instruction. Even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Be holy because I am holy. God created you to be set apart and to look different. So how do we do that? As you're flipping, go back to Deuteronomy 26. You guys, the Bible isn't rocket science. I'm a football player. I never finished college. The Bible is not rocket science. Okay, if I can understand some of this, I'm sure you guys have a leg up on me. Right, And a lot of the times we try to complicate things and we look for one specific detail. But check this out. How do we live set apart? Deuteronomy 26, starting in verse 18, says, And the Lord has avowed to thee this day to be his peculiar people. We've already seen that. You are set apart. You are different. Remember, these guys in the Old Testament are our examples. Has avowed to you this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and thou, here's your job, and that you should keep all his commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I feel like a drill instructor tonight. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. He's telling you how to walk set apart. Keep his commandments. Verse 19, and to make thee high above all the nations which he has made in praise and in name and in honor and that thou mayest be a holy people, a set apart people unto the Lord thy God as he has spoken. You are designed to be a peculiar and set apart person. The Lord has set you apart. That is by design. That is on purpose. And how do we walk it out? We keep his commandments. (laughs) You guys, you will look different than the rest of the world if you are a doer of the word. You'll look different than a lot of people at church if you are a doer of the word. The church is not for perfect people. The church is to help people continue to strive to be more and more like Jesus. And he's giving us the ability to go and sin no more. But we keep coming because we need to learn and we need to grow. We need more and more of this word. Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word. How do we walk a set-apart life? By being in faith, by knowing the word, by keeping his commandments. Where are the commandments kept, guys? In the word, right? It's It's all simple. I told you it's pretty simple. You look different to the rest of the world if you are a doer. Of the word. You can't be a doer of the word and walk as a citizen of this world. It's not a one foot in, one foot out thing. You're one or the other. Who do you serve? One or the other. It's not a one foot in, one foot out. You are meant to shine and to stand out. And I love that being set apart means this verse 19, and to make thee high above all nations. You guys, we are above the nations of this world because we are citizens of heaven. We are called to be above. He said he would set us high above all nations. Don't be surprised that we are above all nations. It's not to look down. It's because it's easier to reach down and pull somebody up into the kingdom of God. We fight from a place of victory with Christ Jesus. And make you high above all nations, which he has made in praise, in name, and in honor, and that thou may be a holy people, a set-apart people unto the Lord. A set-apart people unto the Lord is somebody that he makes high above all of the rest. When you live set apart, you're lifted up. Your life should look different. Now, flip to 1 Timothy 2. It's a quick verse, but you guys need to know this. Because you're going to have, when we talk like this, uh, you guys ever heard of the word predestination? Right? A lot of people will, will talk about, is this for everybody? And uh, and some of the things that I like to study out, and I came across this in, in studying for young adults probably three or four months ago, and I just, I loved what God showed me through this, so I'm going to share that with you tonight. Is that okay? I think we got a little bit of time left. 1 Timothy 2.4 says this, God wants all men to be saved and to the come to the knowledge of the truth. So is being set apart for everybody. Yes. Everyone is called to be in the family of God. How does that happen? Whose choice? Yours or God's? Jesus paid the price. God said he was slain from the foundations of the world, and he paid the price. So what's the difference? It's a choice. But there's things that I think about, like, why are there evil people in the Bible? Did God make them that way? Were they born that way? Wasn't a Lady Gaga song? Baby, I was born that way. Right? Like, (laughs) why is there evil people in the Bible? Is God setting them up for failure? Is God just just using people like pawns? If you want to go down that road, that's a scary life to live. (laughs) There's verses that we use. Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? Like, oh, man, this is crazy, right? You guys, when when I talked about this months ago in young adults, I'm fascinated sometimes by Pharaoh in the Old Testament. You guys know Pharaoh? You know this guy? Have you guys ever heard, you know, seen the story about the, the plagues and everything and, and the people coming out uh, of Egypt and be like, man, it just seems like that is not fair for that guy, right? He was doomed for destruction all the way through, and it's just, it, it, it starts to make you question things, right? And part of what we need to be able to do as Christians is have a ready defense of our faith. So I want to take you through a few things tonight, because I have questions like, could God be just if he made some people evil? Could God be good if he made some people evil? God would be inconsistent and a liar if he said he wants all men to be saved, but then he made people evil. Weird questions, right? I'm getting some eyebrow raises. They're getting ready to shut off the microphones in the back. Let's talk about it a little bit. Here's the bottom line if Pharaoh was not called to be set apart, or at least have the chance to be set apart, how can we know if Jesus died for us or if we were made to be evil? Because if he made one person in the Bible to be evil, how do we know if we're the ones that are made to be evil or for good? Dangerous game we're playing here, right guys? Don't worry, the Bible answers it all for us. I'll show you. Flip to 2 Timothy. And while you're going there, 2 Timothy 2, I'm going to read you a verse from Romans. It says this, in 9, in Romans nine seventeen. it says this. Pharaoh, even for this purpose, have I raised thee up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Did you hear that? Pharaoh, even for this purpose, have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. We'll come across that later. So go to 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I made a note right here that says, who decides if they will use the name or name the name of Jesus? And that's us. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Go and sin no more. <laughs> Verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, or set apart, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You guys don't have to go there, but Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Who is that we that is created in his workmanship? Us. Everyone that names the name of Jesus. These two verses are saying the same thing. You guys, in this house, in the, in the house of God, there's vessels, there's pots made of different things. Just like when you look around this room, we look a lot different than each other. Some of us are nice and shiny, some of us not so much. Some of us big, some of us small, some of us can hold a lot, some of us can't. But there's all kinds of different pots and different vessels in there. And God shaped you, and he is the potter and master craftsman. God made everyone and every vessel And verse 21 gives us a key here, guys. If a man therefore purge himself from these, and it goes on to talk about the things that are coming and the things that were uh, just mentioned before. If he purge himself from these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and set apart, and meet for the master's use, prepared for every good work. Did you guys see the choice that we have to make? If a man therefore purge who? Himself. From these things, from a life of sin, from walking away from the old man. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto what? Unto honor, sanctified, set apart for the master's use. It's talking about you being used in the kingdom of God. It's all by your choice. How to purge yourself starts in verse 22. You ready? Told you the Bible's easy, guys. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. With them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Those are the ones that name the name of the Lord back up in verse 19. With peace that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. Verse 24, and the servant of the Lord, who do you serve guys, must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Looks different than a lot of the rest of the world in meekness instructing those that oppose himself if god peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will you guys part of the purpose of living set apart is right there in verse 26 so when other people see it that they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil guys the devil wants to sink a lot of people He wants to take his, he knows he's going down. He knows his time's limited. He wants to take as many people as he can with him. I guess pity enjoys company, right? Is that the right way to say that? He's on the wrong end of it either way, so he wants to take as many of us with him. Don't be one of them. When you purge yourself, which is your job, God made you, it's not his choosing who's gonna purge themselves or not, right? In his house, there's a ton of vessels, and the ones that purge themselves are sanctified for His use, are set apart. <laughs> Back to Pharaoh. Put, this, put Pharaoh in the context of what we just read. God molded Pharaoh like a pot that we just saw here. In God's house, there's lots of vessels, and He made us all. So if God made us all, and we choose to be a vessel for honor or dishonor, keep that in your mind we want to choose we choose to live for God or for not? And that's all determined by how we live, the choices that we make, the things that we say. Again, in, in, I'm going to have you guys head towards Exodus 9 while I read you Romans 9 again. Head towards Exodus 9. Romans 9 reminded you of this. In verse 17 says, Pharaoh, even for this purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Guys, uh, Exodus 9, let's pick up right here in verse 1. A lot of word tonight, but It is important. Exodus 9, 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse, if implies what? A choice, guys. Do you see that? For if you refuse to let them go and will hold them still. Then he goes on to talk about what's going to happen. You guys, I, I wanted to make this choice. If you refuse. And what, what God's saying to him is, if you choose not to do the will of God is to let his people go. Here's what's going to happen. You guys, he had a choice. He has a choice. Skip down to verse 12. This puts us right in the middle of the 10 plays. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. You guys, God already knew what Pharaoh's answer was going to be. So don't get caught up right here. We're going to come back to this, but I don't want to freak you out. Did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Right? It says right here and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Let's not get stuck on that right now. We're going to come back in a moment, I promise. Verse 13, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. You guys, this is not the first time that God told Moses to do this. God is giving Pharaoh another chance. Aren't you glad that he is the God of second chances? Aren't you glad that he's the God of third, fourth, fifth, Sixth of a whole bunch of chances. I'm glad that his mercy is new every morning. What about you? (laughs) He's the God of second chances. Amen. Verse 14 For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thy heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. God said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to send all my plagues on you and upon your heart and upon the servants and upon these people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. What was Pharaoh raised up for? Keep that in mind. For now I will stretch out, verse 15, Now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. But I thought God was good. God's going to hurt these people. (laughs) You guys know that without sin, this is the penalty we, de- or in sin, this is the penalty that we deserved. God is, the, is a just God. We all know what, what, what the verse says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. God has every right in this situation to wipe out sin, to wipe out evil. God has every right. And you're saying, but well, God doesn't change. He does not change, but that's why Jesus was so important for us. You guys, all these things that happened because these people chose to walk away from the will of God, Pharaoh chose not to to, to honor what God had asked him to do, and God said, I'll wipe you out, bro. Watch out. I will wipe you out. That is the penalty that we deserve without Jesus. A sin nature deserves death. So when Jesus was in there for one, two, three days, or however long it felt to him, he was just getting beat and tattered and torn all for you, so that now when God looks at you, he sees you through the price that Jesus paid. Your price was great. You are worth a lot to the Savior. Your price was great, and Jesus paid it all. These guys didn't have Jesus. These guys had to, had to pay the price for walking in sin and choosing to walk in sin so, is God good? Absolutely. And he's just. God can handle evil. God has the right to handle evil and to wipe away sin and take away sin and to punish sin. But your punishment was paid by Jesus. The wages of sin is death. Pharaoh is walking in sin. So, what is his fair and just penalty? Death. Spoiler alert that's what happens to him. Keep reading, verse 16. And in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up. This is what we saw in Romans. Here's where it's from. It's talking to Pharaoh. And in very deed, for this cause have I raised you up, for to show in you my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. The same thing that it says in Romans. Verse 17 says this, As yet exalted you yourself against my people, as yet exalted thou thyself against my people, is how the King James reads it, that thou will not let them go. You guys, Moses has gone to Pharaoh and tells him to let the people go, tells him what God told him to say. And Pharaoh says, Nope. Moses warns him, What's going to happen the next day is a grievous hailstorm. We have little bitty hail here. I don't know what a grievous hailstorm is, but it happens. This hailstorm hits, the hail comes, and look at verse 27. Here's Pharaoh's reaction Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron, said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous. And I and my people are wicked. Tell the Lord to stop and I will let you go. Why did God raise Pharaoh up? You guys remember what it said? I have raised thee up to show my power in you and that my name may, de- may be declared throughout all the earth. In verse 27, is almost there. He comes and says, I have sinned. The Lord is righteous. He's declaring the righteousness of God to these guys. I and my people are wicked. Tell the Lord to stop, and I will let you go. God raised Pharaoh up with a purpose. (laughs) For this very cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. You guys, God did not raise Pharaoh up. You guys... Uh, Remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate and Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus says, you don't have any power, but that was given to you from above. I think of that when I think of Pharaoh because God says, I raised Pharaoh up that I could show my power in him. I could show my power in him and my name, God's name would be declared throughout all the earth. You guys, God didn't raise him up to strike him down. He didn't make him be evil. He didn't make him choose the wrong things. God made Pharaoh, and Pharaoh chose to be a vessel unto dishonor. <laughs> he didn't set him up to knock him down. Pharaoh was raised that the power of God might be shown in him and that the name of God would be declared throughout all the earth. Can I tell you something? God raised you up for the same exact purpose. It's the same for you, that people can see as God shows his power in you and declare his name in all the earth. Does that sound like what we're called to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel? And Jesus comes with us confirming the word with signs following. He raised up Pharaoh so that Pharaoh, that God could show in Pharaoh his own power, the power of God in Pharaoh. <sighs> I'm freaking you out, I know. Guys, Pharaoh was raised up with the same purpose that you and I were raised for. That God can show his power to the world through you and that his name would be declared and glorified. You guys, verse 17 shows us Pharaoh's mistake. He exalted himself against my people. He chose to serve himself instead of God. Instead of letting God work through him to declare his name in all the earth, he has chosen to exalt himself. He was was created to declare the name of the Lord to the whole world. This was one of the most powerful guys at the moment. Could you imagine this guy getting radically saved and becoming somebody that follows the God of the Israelites? Could you imagine that? What would that look like to the world? That's why God raised him up. God knows and has given people influential gifts. Public speakers, Politicians, musicians, these are all gifts of God that people choose to either serve God with or serve something else with. Man, if everybody would walk in the purpose that God called them to, if Pharaoh would have walked in the purpose that God called him to, the world would look radically different. Pharaoh chose not to purge himself. And to be a vessel of dishonor. You guys remember that was in 2 Timothy 2. You don't have to go there, but I wrote it this way. If Pharaoh therefore purges himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. The choice was there for Pharaoh to make. He's the God of second chances. A chance that he had, just like you and I do. It's so so interesting to think how close he was that he started declaring the name of the Lord. (laughs) That's what God wanted from the beginning. He was raised up that he would declare the name of the Lord. Look what happens just a few verses later. In verse 33, it says this. Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord and the thunders and hails ceased and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders had ceased, he sinned yet more. Guys, I made the note. Remember, we're told to go and sin no more. Pharaoh had just, just declared the righteousness of the Lord. Then when his circumstance changes, he goes right back to his old way of life. Come on. Anybody else? Just me. God, help me. I can't do this on my own. God, help me fix this. I need money to pay this. God, I'm I'm sick. I need help. Blah, blah, blah. Everything goes well. God shows up, does what he's supposed to do, and then you go back to that old way of life that got you in the first place. God, help me. I'm drowning in debt. God miraculously delivers you, and you go back to the same habits and put yourself right back in the same place. That's what Pharaoh did right here, guys. Verse 34. He sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses. I told you we would come back to this. Who hardened his heart? What did we just read? Verse 34, And Pharaoh saw the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased. His circumstance got better, and he sinned again and hardened his heart. Who made the choice to harden his heart? It was Pharaoh. A vessel to honor or dishonor. Who made that choice? Pharaoh. A choice to honor God or to not honor God. Pharaoh made that choice. He hardened his heart Pastors talked about this before, about this being, uh, when it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart, about it being the permissive tense back in verse 12. And the account in Exodus shows Pharaoh repeatedly going against the will of God. He's not yielding himself as a vessel for honor. He guys, God will let you choose your path. Pharaoh chose wrong and hardened his heart, and that's what it shows in verse 34. If you go back to, you don't have to go there, just make this note. In Exodus eight thirty-two. it says it again. Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also and would not let the people go operating contrary to the will of god like pharaoh's doing operating contrary to the will of god of god is hardening your heart i'll say that one more time operating contrary to the will of god is hardening your heart pharaoh went back to his old life fighting to live against the will of god to stay in his life of sin It's crazy that he came and confessed his sin and declared that Jesus or the Lord was righteous and that they were wrong and wicked. And as soon as the circumstance changed, he went right back. How often do we do the same? Remember that we are set apart and part of that is to no longer walk in sin. Those verses we talked about earlier, to not let sin have dominion over us, Pharaoh chose differently. He had the same choice that we do. God made all the pots, but we choose to live set apart for honor or dishonor. Our lives should look different from the rest of the world. You guys, that comes from having Jesus in you. I don't know if we need to go there, but in John 17, I'll read this to you. John 17, in verse 14, it says, I have given them thy word. And I'll just make some commentary. May as well go there. John 17, 14. Read this real quick, and there's one more thing I want to show you. I have given them Thy word, and the word and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Why do they hate us? Because we are set apart. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from evil. You guys, we have work to do, and you have the authority in in Christ to do it. Verse 16: They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify or set apart them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I made the note. That's why being a doer of the word is so important, because you are set apart by the truth. You will be different. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. There we go. Jesus commissioned you to go into the world, to be set apart. And, as, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Guys, I made the note here. I'll read that again. Neither pray I for these alone. He's not just praying for the current believers, but for them also, which shall in the future believe on me, on Jesus through their word. That's his people that have not heard yet. God wants us all to be saved. Verse 21, that they may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee. Sounds like a rap song. We're starting here. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Why are we here? That his name is known to the world. Verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them. As thou hast loved me. Verse 24, Father, I will also, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, and that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. You guys, if we're in Christ and God loved Christ before the foundations of the world, that means he loved you before the foundations of the world. That's why Christ was slain. From the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. In verse 25 again it says, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. You guys, that's why we're here. We need to reach out so that the world knows. And how do we do that? It's in verse 26. And I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it. (laughs) Did you see what Jesus just said? I have declared unto them thy name. One of the things Jesus did while he was here was declare the name of God. Was declare the name of the Lord. And he said, I will declare it. He's going to continue to do that. That the love where thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. One of the reasons he was here was to declare unto the world the name of God. <laughs> Jesus had the same purpose as Pharaoh to declare the name of God the same purpose as Pharaoh to declare the name of the Lord to show the world who their heavenly father is and to show them that there is none like him for God to show his power in Jesus and in us he wanted to do it in Pharaoh as well you guys i want to leave you with one one little thing we talk about purpose and why we're here and if if you're here tonight and you're discouraged We may be uh, in between jobs. We may have kids that just moved out and went to college. And a lot of the times you're just searching for purpose. If you're a young person, you may not have even found your original purpose yet. But I want you to be encouraged. And one of the things um, that I stumbled across a a couple years ago is in Nehemiah 8. If you don't know where that is, go ahead and look at the table of contents in your Bible. And it'll show you. But go to Nehemiah 8. We're going to look at this real quick. And I hope this is encouraging to somebody. And then we're done, I promise. In Nehemiah 8, we see this is Ezra the scribe, and all the people are gathered together. They're in the middle of a church service. It says that it went from the morning till midday. So we get out usually at about 11.15. You're welcome on a Sunday morning. These guys are here. They are hungry for the word. And then verse 4 says this, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they made for the purpose. And beside him stood a bunch of people. Go down to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. He was standing on the pulpit. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Did you see it in verse 4? Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. That word purpose just caught me when I first read over that we think about why this pulpit was there, why this wood was there, and it was so somebody could stand above the rest of the people and declare the word of God to them. Talk about purpose. Talk about how much your God cares for you, that he cared enough that these guys would need a wooden pulpit one day, so years and years ahead of time, he knew that there had to be a little tiny seed that would grow into a tree that could one day be hacked up, chopped up, thrown behind the shack, and then when they needed the wood to go build a pulpit, they had it so that the name of God could be glorified. You want to talk about purpose? God had a purpose for the wood, and you don't think he has a purpose for you? This wood was used to declare the name of the Lord. Pharaoh was intended to declare the name of the Lord. One of Jesus' purposes was to come into this earth and declare the name of the Lord. What is one of your purposes? To be here to declare the name of the Lord. We have a purpose in Christ Jesus. God cares a lot more for you than he does about a piece of wood. That also shows us that everything in this world is made for you. Animals, if you want to eat them, keep them as pets, whatever, but they're made for you. Everything in this earth is made for you. (laughs) And it has its purpose. The wood had a purpose, Pharaoh had a purpose. He was on the wrong end of it. He chose wrong. He still, Pharaoh's still part of the way that we declare how good our God is, but he could have been on the winning side. Don't, wouldn't you like to be remembered in history as the one that was on God's side versus the one who drowned? Right? That's a better way to go. Like In, in the story of David and Goliath, I, I want to be David because Goliath died. Right? Do we understand that with God there's life? Without him there's not? Do we understand that? Pharaoh had a purpose. Jesus had a purpose. You have a purpose. Last one, I promise, guys. Luke 19. Go there, real quick. I know you know where that one is. I'm glad that one of the first scriptures I mentioned about being set apart included us having patience. So thank you for having patience with me tonight. Luke 19, starting in verse 37. This is, if you have a little heading in your Bible, it says the triumphal triumphal entry. Verse 37, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees From among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. They're telling him to make them be quiet. Look what Jesus says. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, if my disciples decide to shut their mouths or you make them shut their mouths, the stones would immediately cry out. Guys, the disciples were there to declare the name of the Lord, declare the glory of the Lord. And he said, even if man won't do it, these rocks will do it. Guys, that's why we're here, to declare the glory of the Lord. His power in you is what sets you apart from any other created thing. The Lord has set you apart. He did it for a purpose. Choose to walk in it. What was the purpose? For God to show his power to this world through you, in and through you, so that his name is known and glorified in all the earth. Guys, if every single person in this world knows the name of the Lord, then every single person has had a chance to come into the family. That's what he's after. He wants all men to be saved, so you better be sure that they are going to get the chance so other people can come to know him. God wants us all to be saved, all to walk in his purpose. Let's choose to walk in it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for your word of truth. Thank you that you laid it out so simply for us. God, we see the purposes that you have for us, the things that you've created uh, for us here to use on this earth, that everything is under our dominion because we are your kids. That's how you set it up, God. Help us to be a people with a purpose that live a set-apart life, that are the ones that do every day to live in your word, that choose every day to live in your word so that we can, through Jesus, go and sin no more and live that set-apart life so that we can glory in tribulations so that we don't have to walk with our head down and look like the rest of the world, but that we can glory in tribulations because you have set us high above all nations. In glory and in honor and in name, you have set us high above all nations. God, use us. You've commissioned us to go, so use us, Father God. Lead us and guide us, that the world would see your power in and through us, that lives would be changed and your name would be declared throughout this entire earth so that not one person wouldn't come to know you. God, we know that you present them with the choice, vessels of honor or dishonor. We choose to be vessels of honor. We choose to be people that give other people that same choice. God, use us. It's an honor to be used of and by you, God. We love you and we are so grateful for the things that you've done in our life. Thank you for our pastors as they return and be with us back this Sunday. We thank you that they've had a great trip, that they are refreshed and ready to go. God, you have big plans for this church and these people We are so honored to be your family, to be your kids, God. Use us and move through us. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and the glory. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for your patience tonight. Pastor is back on Sunday. We love you. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you then.